This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you tuning in today. I'm looking forward to studying with you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12, Paul says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's a whole lot that's been made about this particular section of Romans chapter 8, and we've given some discussion to the matter already in verses 1 through 8 in previous episodes uh, a couple of weeks back, where Paul is really detailing and expounding upon the horrific consequences of living according to the living according to the flesh, as he as he does here. He says, if if that's the case, you must die. You must die, and I must die if I'm living according to the flesh. And we talked a great deal about that last week in our our episode, our podcast about sowing to the spirit versus sowing to the flesh, and and what that means and, and what that looks like. Uh, this sowing to the flesh versus the blessedness of living a life according to the Spirit that Paul describes in verse 2 as the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And this week what we're going to focus on um, in verses 9 through 17 is this spirit of sonship, this idea of being adopted as a son or daughter into the family of God and what that, uh, what the implications of that are, what that, what that means for us. What does that look like? Um, as Paul is describing here, this spiritual mindset, again, that we discussed last week, that that Christians must live with. Uh, we have to be fixated on the revealed will of God and, and do that with the understanding that only those with a spiritual mindset can be pleasing to God and have true fellowship with Christ and retain their hope of glory. We're going to see all those points, I believe, in, in this context. And some of them have already been been made, right? We just read in verses 12 through through 13. And last week we saw how Paul says uh, those in the flesh, that is those living according to the flesh, uh, cannot be cannot please God. Uh, right? They're hostile in mindset, and so um, it's it's a particular mindset that God expects His people to have, calls His people to have, and it is our responsibility to to find out what that is and to make sure we have this spiritual mindset, a mindset on spiritual things, not earthly things or fleshly things. So um, we have to be assured. And Paul is assuring us that there is there is no other way to be pleasing to God. Again, verse 8, those who are in the flesh, again, those who walk according to their fleshly appetites is the idea. Um, just giving ourselves uh, over to those things, just totally beholden to what I think is right, what I want to do, what is pleasing to me, what is satisfying to me. Uh, if that's my primary focus, if that's dictating you know, if that's my thought process, that's going to dictate all my behavior. And Paul says that you cannot be pleasing to God in, in that respect. So he goes on to explain exactly now what it means to not do that and what it means to walk according to the Spirit. And notice the first thing that Paul assures us of, assures his brethren of, is that um, that they walk according to the Spirit only insofar as they meet the required condition, which is, he says in verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So you're not walking according to the flesh, but you are walking according to the Spirit, if there's the condition, indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So uh, I know we're well beyond our previous discussion of Paul's use of flesh and spirit, but um, I would just make a special note here uh, for us to beware commentaries which do not define 
these words, the, the words flesh and spirit, according to the text. So uh, let me just say briefly that that flesh is defined in the immediate context. When Paul just says flesh, he's talking about uh, fleshly desires primarily. And again, allowing those things to dictate our, our behavior. Um, and, you know, in the context of chapter 7, Paul makes several observations about fleshly behavior, using himself as, as an example. Uh, namely, that his behavior, he says, is, is carnal a lot of times in verse 14. He observed that sin dwelled in him in his flesh, verses 17 and 18, or in his members, he says in verse 23 of chapter 7. And so he readily recognized his shortcomings and that though he had a willing mind, he found himself continually falling short of, of the will of God and sinning. And he readily acknowledges this, this fact and he's calling us to do the, to the same. He's calling us to do the same thing. And, and, but what he says of all those things, his, his sin dwelling in his flesh and, and uh, his behavior being carnal, at times, he calls that the law of sin in Romans 7 and verse 23. And then in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, he calls it the law of sin and death. Uh, and Paul, again, is in this, using himself as, as, as an example, acknowledging his own violations of God's law, that he is in fact sinful, as he says in verse 18 of chapter 7, that nothing good dwells in his flesh. And so by this, he means the works of, of the flesh. You know, nothing carnally motivated is going to be good. And so biblically, there's no such thing as a good fleshly work. You know, we can just look at Galatians 5.19 and see all the things that Paul names there as works of the flesh and deeds of darkness and, you know, envy, drunkenness, adultery, fornications. And, you know, he just goes down the list. There's no, biblically, there's no good, good thing. There's no such thing as a good fleshly work. And so when he failed, he said it was the result of sin dwelling in him in verse 20 of chapter 7. So what he means is in allowing himself to be given to a fleshly desire, carnal mindset, um, and allowing himself to be carried off by this, he, he sinned and he failed. And so instead of repeating and explaining all of that in Romans chapter 8, of what a fleshly desire is or what a carnal mindset is or what it means to be given to the flesh or walk according to the flesh. He just, instead of repeating all those things from chapter 7, he just says flesh, right? So he just adopts the usage of flesh to describe this attitude or mindset on the flesh and pleasing pleasing the flesh. Uh, so he's talking about a way of life and walking according to the flesh, which he is says, and we're going to discover here that we should avoid at all costs and strive to avoid, even though... The reality is, chapter 7, uh, we're going to fall short just like Paul does. But that doesn't mean we have to have our minds set on the flesh. That doesn't mean we have to continue down that road. Um, so just to reiterate a point that we made previously on another podcast, that uh, when you know flesh, when Paul uses that there, he doesn't mean simply having a body, right? Everybody has flesh in a physical sense, like we, like we use of skin, Right, we we are bot or just generally our bodies, um, but that's not what Paul is saying here. He doesn't mean that just simply because we have a body, we are corrupt and sinful, and there's nothing we can do to to change that, um, or we have this inborn disposition to sin or totally depraved. And those those kinds of concepts go beyond what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter seven and eight, and they have to be imposed upon on the text. Um, when Paul says you are not in the flesh, 
verse verse nine of chapter eight. That should give us an indication of uh, again the the expectation and also of, of how he's using this this word. He's not talking about body. He's not talking about physical flesh. He's he's talking about uh, Christians who do not have a, a fleshly, carnal, rebellious, worldly mind or or life, but are striving to walk according to uh, the spirit and and spiritual desires that are informed by by God's word. And so being in the spirit, as Paul says, you are in the spirit. That's that's tantamount to having an attitude, right? We're talking about two attitudes, two dispositions, two mindsets. So in the spirit then means having an attitude and a life in submission to God and striving to uh, to submit to God in, in every aspect of, of my life. And that's what Paul calls the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in, in verse 2 of Romans 8. So this law of the spirit of life at work in the believer is is distinct from truth itself, but um, it's it is the desire to submit to truth. So they're they're related. Um, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I don't believe Paul is is saying is the gospel, or he's not using that as an, another name for the gospel, but rather he's he's talking about an attitude here that desires to submit to to truth. Um, elsewhere, Paul calls this the, the the desire to obey Christ. He calls it the law of his mind. Um, so so long as he strove to conform to God's will, he would be free from the law of sin and death. But when we give ourselves over to that uh, completely, uh, we are we're moving in the wrong direction and we're hostile toward God. James tells us that we all stumble in many ways, but the point is is not to to stay there. Uh, is not to be satisfied with stumbling, not to be settled in stumbling and stumbling into sin and continue to pursue the desires of the flesh, but rather be honest about what they are in our own lives and our own shortcomings, as Paul was in Romans chapter 7, and, the, and, and not only what they are, but also the consequences, right? He says, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? He knew that, that the means for salvation was not within himself because he was going to fail, but he never once holds that up as an excuse. Even though he knew he was going to fail, he would not be satisfied with that. And he knew that salvation had to come from another source. And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so the implications of that then, of having this wonderful Savior who provides the mean of forgiveness of our sins, uh, imposes upon us a responsibility to walk according to the Spirit. And if we're not doing that, that means... That means we, we're taking for granted what he's what he's done. We're not responding in the appropriate and acceptable way to God. And God sees that. So Paul goes further now and he, he's explaining that living this kind of life is only possible insofar as the Spirit of God dwells in you. And what Paul calls the Spirit of God, he also calls the Spirit of Christ, um, meaning the Holy Spirit who is here described in his relation to both the Father, God, and the Son, um, Christ. Uh, and for a similar um, example of this, we can go to First Peter chapter one and verse eleven. That's what I have here in my notes. Can't quote it by heart, so I'm just going to go over to First Peter chapter one and verse eleven here, where Paul, excuse me, where Peter, uh, in speaking of of salvation seen by the prophets in verse ten, he says, "To this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries." seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Uh, and so 
the spirit of Christ in that that context seems to indicate um, the you know the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by these prophets who were given this knowledge by him and were writing it down and they were trying to search and, and discover um, definitively when when the Christ would come so he is um, he is of them in the sense that he is one with them not in the sense that he belongs to the Father or or the Son so when we speak of the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ um, that that what that means is again the Holy Spirit is is equal with the other persons of, of the Godhead in um, in in scripture uh, so not that he belongs to the father or the son but rather he we could say he belongs to to deity he is deity uh, and he is on equal ground with um, the father and and the son uh, so God is we, we we have to remember that God is one Deuteronomy 6 4 uh, John 10 30 and 36 and to, to do the will of one person of the Godhead is to do the will of all persons of the Trinity Trinity right Jesus said I am the father or or one, and I always do the things that are pleasing to the Father in John eight twenty nine. So, we have to bear in mind that um, we're not talking about you know being led by the Spirit of God is is then distinct from being led by Christ or being led by the Father because they all have the same will, and that's a, a mistake I'm afraid that many in the religious world uh, make in saying things like, "Well, I, I felt the Spirit leading me this way," or I "Feel the Spirit doing this." Um, nowhere in the New Testament does anyone who is actually led by the Holy Spirit describe being led by him in those terms as a, as a feeling. Uh, rather, it's, it's more objective. Um, and it is his will is found in the word that he inspired, uh, which is consistent with the will of the Father and the Son. To be baptized in the name of one is to be baptized in the name of all, right? Matthew 28, 19. Baptize them in the Father... In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you find fellowship with one. You find fellowship with with all, and you can't have fellowship with one. You can't be led by one without having fellowship with all, and without being led by by all. To worship one is to worship all persons of, of the Godhead. So it's important that we nail that down in our mind that we're not trying to um, separate the Spirit in the sense that we want to make the Holy Spirit's will distinct from that of the Father or the Son. Um, God is one, and His one will is expressed in and through three persons, and it's all the same. Um, inspired men taught by, taught truth by the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13, Ephesians 4, 3. And Christians can be filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Father, um, when we submit to the will of all three which we find in the scriptures. And those who do not have the spirit of Christ do not belong to him, Paul says. So that, that should give us pause and and prompt, I think, the continual self-examination that we that I think we find in this text, even though those words aren't exactly used. Um, but we, we want to make sure that we are in the spirit, walking according to the spirit of, of God. You know, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, we should test ourselves to see if you are in the faith, examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. And so we have this two-way street here where we're talking about um, having the Spirit of Christ, walking according to the Spirit of God, and that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. Uh, well, what's the test? Well, am I, am I being faithful? 
go back to the beginning of verse 5 in 2 Corinthians 13, if, are you in, in the faith, in the objective sense, right? The revealed will that, that Jude describes in Jude 3, the, the faith once for all handed down to the saints by the apostles. So, uh, so that's, that's the test. I, 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 you know, Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, Paul says, and so it is only through faith engendered by the word of God that I can um, test myself to see if I am in the faith. Right? I have to go to the Word, and I have to be honest with myself and objective. Am I am I truly, am I truly trying? Do I truly desire for this, uh, for God's will to um, to be at the center of my life? Am I am I really trying to conduct myself according to the will of God? And Paul goes on to say, if if Christ is in you. Your body is dead because of your sin in verse 10 of Romans chapter 8. So if Christ is in you, and again, he reveals elsewhere that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. So if Christ is in your heart through faith and your body is dead, um, verse 10, because of, because of your sin. For our physical, first, our physical bodies are doomed for death regardless of whether Christ dwells in us or not. Right? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So in the context, Paul is speaking of uh, crucifying the flesh and its passions. Remember, we're talking about attitudes. We're talking about desires. And Paul is saying that if we are given, if we are striving to to give ourselves to Christ, and we are um, striving to be faithful to Him, that we're putting to death that old person that we that we were. And so, the body that Paul is referring to is is the body of sin. Is the point here? So, when he says your body is dead because of your sin, he's not talking about um, physical bodies being dead, those are still very much alive and we should be using them as instruments of, of righteousness. But Paul is referring to our, our body of sin and, and the removal of that uh, is only possible in obedience and continual submission to Christ where we find spiritual life. Just find First uh, John chapter 1 and verse 6 and, and following. Right? If we If we say we have no sin, we lie and we uh, deceive ourselves, and we make God out to be a liar. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, uh, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Uh, and then Paul, excuse me, John goes on to talk about confessing our sins, and so he's he's putting it a different way, but essentially it's it's the same principle, it's the same point. It's this striving to walk in the light, and that uh, that then allows us to maintain fellowship with with Jesus, um, and. John promises the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And verse 11, Paul adds, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so this is, again, this is something that's conditioned upon the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Uh, we can go back a couple of issues where we talked more about that, um, the work of the Holy Spirit in, in the New Covenant. So all, all three persons of deity act in harmony with one another and are all involved in the resurrection. And Paul reveals the same divine power is active in us as well. And that's, that's an amazing thing to, to think about, that the, the power God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that is at work in the Christian right now uh, if he's willing to allow it to work, if he's willing to submit himself to to God, when Paul says God will give life to your mortal bodies, he's he's not pointing to the Christian's physical resurrection, uh, right? Because the wicked and the righteous will both physically be raised from the dead, but rather he's talking about Christians are made alive uh, 
brought from spiritual death, and this has consequences for our mortal bodies as well. Um, and the way that we conduct ourselves, specifically, we're, we're not to just remain inactive, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We're to be bearing fruit for Him. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to turn over there for just a moment, Ephesians 1, and I'm going to go down to verse 19, Ephesians 1 and verse 19. Paul says, what is, uh, uh, in verse 18, rather, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, uh, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Uh, and so Paul here to a different church is making the same point. He's talking about that power, again, that, that God used in raising Jesus from the dead is the same power at work toward those who believe. And he's connecting that with, in verse 18, enlightening of the eyes of the heart, understanding, coming to a fuller understanding of, of hope and the riches of glory that, that await. Um, and again, that that's empowering. Uh, that's strengthening to us. Uh, but it is only found in the such knowledge is only found in the word. We can't have hope without um, reading what God, reading God's promises, what He has promised to us. And Paul speaks in, in Ephesians chapter two of the the Christian's uh, position with with God. Uh, we were dead in our transgressions, verse five, uh, but He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so that's that's another uh, incredible promise, an incredible thought, that we have this position with, with God. It's such a privilege. And so the implications are, walk according to the Spirit. Use the members of uh, our mortal bodies as instruments of righteousness, as Paul will, will say in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. We talked about um, several weeks back. Uh, be a living sacrifice, you know, as Paul will describe in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. That, that is, that's the only acceptable response then to what Jesus has done for us in giving us this and giving it and for, for providing forgiveness of sins and giving us this privileged position before God that we can have fellowship with Him and be reconciled to Him. Uh, so the, the conclusion of this is that those who truly belong to Christ are not under obligation to the flesh, Paul says. If we go back to Romans chapter 8 for just a moment and and continue reading there, Paul uses this wording, saying we're not uh, we're not indebted to the flesh or we're not under obligation to the flesh uh, any longer, but we've been we've been released from from that and we've been empowered to overcome it through what Jesus has done for us. He says in verse 12, so then brethren, we are not under obligation, uh, we are under obligation rather not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you're living according to the flesh, again, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All right, so Paul's conclusion in there is that those who truly belong to Christ right, are not uh, see that they've been released from the flesh and that we can no longer walk according to it or to its appetites. We've been, we've been set free through the power of Christ's blood, by virtue of the forgiveness that it affords. Um, and again, that's empowering and strengthening. 
to the disciples and 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 calls us to walk in this newness of life right that that Paul describes in verse verse 12 um, we are dead to that old life we are putting to death the deeds of the body that means the body of sin or or fleshly deeds and we are striving to live according to the spirit so to to return then to the flesh and to return to walk according to the flesh means means spiritual death but through the spirit that is living according to um, spirit revealed truth and and being desirous of pleasing god in every respect we're going to continually put to death the deeds of the body and that doesn't mean that we're not ever going to fall short it doesn't mean we're going to never going to botch it because we are and and god has made provision through his son to forgive us of our, our shortcomings but the point is is that we have to have the desire and we have to get up and keep trying right and and that's what god that's what god wants to see in us you know if our spirits are to prevail over the flesh then we we must submit to the holy spirit's will so that we don't carry out the disease, the deeds of our of our flesh our carnal appetites you know jesus said in matthew 26 and verse 41 that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak but we can overcome the flesh in the same way that he did those who are spiritually minded walk according to the spirit and they have the spirit of christ in them through faith paul says these are the sons of god these are the true heirs true children who no longer who are no longer condemned um, but not only attain but retain a standing of righteousness right that's that's what he leads off with in, in the very first verse of romans chapter 8 there is no condemnation for those in christ jesus and he's explaining for the rest of the chapter how that how that can be how we remain in Christ Jesus in this relationship so the spirit himself will bear witness with our spirit verse 16 that we are children of God and notice he does not bear witness to our spirit but with with our spirit in other words we are co-witnesses with the holy spirit in a, in a sense the holy spirit has given his testimony as to what one must do to become and remain a child of God how one is to walk according to the Spirit, and our Spirit's testimony will join the Holy Spirit so long as we submit to His revealed will. We can say, I'm a Christian. We can say, I love Jesus. We can say, I'm walking according to the Spirit all day long until we're green in the face. But are we actually doing it? Do we know the difference? Because God certainly does. And the Holy Spirit's testimony, as written down in, in Scripture, should inform us as to, and does inform us as to what His will is and what walking according to the Spirit looks like. John will say in 1 John 3, 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Now this is difficult to get our head around sometimes. But this is how Scripture describes Christians, is that they are nonetheless sons of God. Christians are sons and daughters of God the Father, brothers and sisters and co-heirs with Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 17. And though we are servants, we do not serve in the spirit of slaves, but of children. As Paul says, we haven't received a spirit of slavery, but of, of sonship. And we think about the difference there, that children can joyfully and lovingly do the will of their father. And that's what we should do. That's the attitude we should have. It's not just going through the motions uh, but having a true heart, 
of joy and love, desiring to serve God because of what he's done for us. If one is to remain a child of God and retain the hope of glory in heaven, there is a condition. He must serve and he must suffer. That's what Paul says in verse 17. If children, heirs of God and and fellow heirs with Christ, indeed, he says, here's the condition, indeed, if we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Walking according to the Spirit is going to entail suffering. And that may manifest itself in the form of persecution or any number of difficult circumstances because of the choices that we will make, that we will have to make if we want to remain pleasing to God. It's going to bring us into conflict with the world. It's going to bring us into conflict with our families and and perhaps others. But nevertheless, we must remain true to Him, true to our Father. Walk according to the Holy Spirit, not according to the flesh. As we consider these things and we evaluate ourselves according to these things, can you and I honestly say that that's what we're doing? That we're trying to put to death the deeds of the body by walking according to the Spirit. And that we're fixated on His will. Because Paul says those those are the ones who are the true sons and those are the ones who have the hope of glory and can look forward to eternal life. Otherwise, we cannot please God. Verse 8. So again, the question comes to us, are we sons of God by virtue of sowing to the Spirit, submitting ourselves to Him, or are we sowing to the flesh and making ourselves enemies of God and just rendering lip service to Him? Appreciate you tuning in today, and I look forward to studying with you again next week or later this week. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email me, please, at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. If you have a suggestion for a study you'd like to hear, or uh, maybe you want to talk more about these things, I'd love to, love to hear from you. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.